welcome to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Kleber. This week we're going to be looking at the case of Stoffel & Co. and Grandona. The citation for this case is 2020 UKSC 42. And there is a lot going on in this case, but ultimately it comes down to whether or not illegality should bar a claim. This principle was also considered a few years ago in the case of Patel and Mirza, and so it will be interesting to see if and how the Supreme Court chooses to develop the law in this area. For now though, let's just focus on the facts. The respondent is Miss Grandona, and she had a business relationship with a Mr Mitchell. In 2002, Mitchell purchased a long-term lease of a property in Thornton Heath, and subsequently executed a charge over the property for the sum of £45,000. Later on that same year, Grandona bought the property from Mitchell, with the help of her own mortgage of around £76,000 from Birmingham Midshires. The problem was that she procured that mortgage by way of fraud. Essentially, the aim was to help Mr Mitchell obtain a loan from another lender, which would not otherwise have been possible. In return, Mitchell promised that he would be responsible for Grandona's mortgage payments. When the property was sold from Mitchell to Grandona, it was the appellants in this case, Stoffel & Co., who acted as the solicitors for the relevant parties during the purchase and subsequent transfer. Unfortunately, Stoffel & Co. negligently failed to register the transfer of the property and the charges from Mitchell to Grandona with the land registry. Technically, this meant that Mitchell remained the registered owner, and he therefore remained responsible for the original loan over the property for £45,000. Several years later in 2006, Grandona defaulted on payments from the second loan provided by Birmingham Midshires, and so that company began proceedings against her. In response, Grandona herself commenced a negligence claim against Stoffel & Co. for their failure in respect of the transfer. During that case, Stoffel & Co. sought to rely on the illegality defence because, after all, Grandona had originally instructed them as part of her illegal mortgage fraud scheme. In essence, it is not right that Grandona should benefit from her illegal activity by being able to claim compensation from the solicitors. However, at trial and at the Court of Appeal, this argument was rejected, and so Stoffel & Co. now appealed to the Supreme Court which is where we pick things up. At this point, we can now return to the 2016 case of Patel and Mirza, where the Supreme Court previously adopted an approach to the defence of illegality based around policy. Policy is one of those legal terms that the courts often use, but has almost too wide a meaning for it to be all that useful. In this context, it basically comes down to whether it would be fair for the defendant to avoid liability because of the other party's illegal activity, and what effect a decision might have on the consistency and integrity of the legal system as a whole. To answer that question, the Supreme Court at that time set out a three-part test as follows. Firstly, what was the underlying purpose of the law that was broken and would that purpose be advanced in some way if the claim was denied? Secondly, the court should consider if there are any other areas of public policy that might be impacted if the claim is denied. And finally, there is a balancing act where the court must decide if barring the claim is a proportionate response to the illegality in question. 
It's also important to note that when it comes to applying this three-part test, the court is to consider the policy reasons in the first two parts at a pretty general level. If, on that basis, the judge finds that the illegality of the claimant should not bar the action, then there is no need to consider the final proportionality test. However, if it is necessary for the courts to carry out that balancing act, then this is not something that is done on a general level, but rather by careful reference to the facts of the individual case. I always find these types of cases very confusing because normally the person who has done something illegal is the defendant instead of the claimant who is bringing proceedings to court. Nevertheless, let's apply these tests to the case that we have before us today and see what the Supreme Court came up with in this instance. So the illegality that Grandona engaged in was mortgage fraud, which is obviously a very serious criminal offence. However, the purpose of the legislation is to prevent such fraud, and it is not clear that denying her claim would advance that purpose. A person who is thinking about committing such illegal activity is unlikely to be deterred because there is a chance that, by doing so, their civil claim against a negligent solicitor would be barred. In contrast, if Grandona's claim is allowed to proceed, it would enhance the protections available to the general public when they are purchasing property themselves, and therefore indirectly discourages mortgage fraud. That deals with the first part of the test, but for the second part the justices had to also consider if there were other policy areas that were relevant. The main point of policy to bring up is that the members of the legal profession should carry out their duties with due diligence and generally not be negligent. Allowing Grandona's claim would advance that cause and also assure others that they will be able to claim compensation in cases of professional negligence. Beyond that, allowing the claim would also avert an inconsistency in the law because Grandona does have an equitable interest in the property, even though she did engage in mortgage fraud. Given that all of the policy reasons point in favour of Grandona and allowing the claim to proceed, there is not actually any need to apply the final proportionality test. However, Lord Lloyd-Jones did so anyway as an academic exercise and found that even then it would not be proportional to deny her claim because the mortgage fraud is not at all related to the negligence of the solicitors. In the end then, the defence of illegality was not allowed to bar Grandona's claim for professional negligence, and so that will proceed. Previously, this almost certainly would not have been permitted, because it would have meant that Grandona was able to profit from her illegal activity. That is certainly another important policy consideration. The law should not be set up in a way where a person can breach the rules and yet still have the benefit of the protection of the law. Nevertheless, I think it was a good thing that the Supreme Court took the opportunity to reaffirm the stance in Patel and Mirza, because the question is much more complicated than this simple idea. As Lord Lloyd-Jones noted, the illegal activity is only very loosely related to the claim, so it is a stretch to say that Grandona is actually benefiting from the fraud. Instead, it seems more reasonable to almost view this as two separate cases. Grandona committed mortgage fraud and should pay the consequences for that. But Stoffel and co. were also negligent, and they should not avoid liability through what is essentially a stroke of luck. That is all fine, but I do also think that the Supreme Court missed an opportunity to tighten things up a little bit, in relation to the jurisprudence of Patel and Mirza. 
As we mentioned earlier, the idea of policy reasons as a basis for a legal decision is very wishy-washy, and probably leaves the courts with a bit too much wiggle room to fit their decision around the law, rather than the other way round. To some extent this is understandable, because there will be a variety of factors that the courts will need to take into account for each individual case. But it also threatens the certainty of the law, and the hope that it will be applied in a consistent manner. A bit more direction from this court would have been welcomed, even if they refused to be overly prescriptive. Overall, I think that the key question is whether barring a claim will actually discourage the illegal activity in question. It might be tempting to return to the past where there was one strict rule around ex terpi causa, but that was completely disproportional, and if the courts can apply a more reasoned approach, then they should always seek to do so. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this episode of the podcast, and thanks as ever to bensound.com for the theme music. A special note from me this week that some of you might have already seen in the latest edition of the newsletter, there is now a brand new way to support the podcast and help to keep it free from advertising. After all, who wants me to be sat here telling you to go buy a new mattress or some other nonsense? I'm sure that most of you have already signed up for the newsletter, but there is also now a paid option where subscribers will get my new ebook, How to Write a First Class Law Essay, as well as several bonus articles a month, including Q&As where I respond directly to subscriber questions, and I already have one piece lined up for tomorrow about the new sentencing code. If this sounds interesting, then I will drop a link in the notes to this episode, and there are a couple of options for subscribers, either £5 a month or £50 for the entire year. It honestly makes such a big difference to the show by covering some of the costs associated with hosting it on SoundCloud and keeping the website up and running, so I do want to say a big thank you at this stage to everyone who has signed up so far. Okay, that's all from me. I'll be back with another episode next week, but for now, bye!